small school district makes big waves. Ken Witt is the superintendent of an 8,000 student school district, the Woodland Park School District, just outside of Monument, Colorado. He's steering the small district to academic excellence and a non-woke curriculum. This is the audio version of our television show, Devil's Advocate. You can watch that program by going to youtube.com, searching for our channel, IITV. That stands for Independence Institute Television. Or just go to thinkfreedom.org. You're going to find this one pretty darn interesting. There's a small school district in Colorado making national waves because of its superintendent. Ken Witt, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, John. It's a pleasure to be back on your show. All right. Woodland School District is where? Woodland Park, Woodland Park. is a town, a mountain town in Colorado, uh, up Highway 24. Uh, if you go up to Manitou Springs from Colorado Springs, the next big town on the road will be Woodland Park. And it's a school district that has 23 students in it. Uh, multiplied by 100. It has about 2,500 students in it, uh, 2,700 but it's uh, right in that range. And it's not a large school district, but it's a fairly good-sized mountain community. And mountain school districts are peculiar anyway because of the geography. It, it's, it's hard to run schools up there for all sorts of reasons. It's true. There are a lot of rural challenges. Yeah. It's, it's, out in the plains, it's tough, but in the mountains, is a whole different, it's a whole different ballgame. Hey, I want to spend a little time also on your second job, which is running a BOCES as well, but that's a different, that's a whole different kettle of fish. I want to spend some time on this, but I've got to ask you about this school district because it's making national news. Why? <laughs> what? It seems as though as superintendent there, you're trying to teach kids how to read. I find this offensive. Well, apparently so does NBC from New York City because they flew a crew out to try and make hay of it. The truth is uh, we are focusing aggressively on academics, making certain that our students are in fact getting a solid, well-rounded education and uh, not caught up in divisive identity politics and things that have nothing to do with education and everything to do with other people's agenda, adults' agenda. All right. Back off on NBC comes out. This becomes a national story because you're teaching kids how to read. What was the angle NBC News took of this rather small school district with you know 2,600 kids? What, uh, what, did they, what did they find exceptionally wrong about this school district? I believe the phrase they, the phrase they used was conservatives have taken over a mountain community school district. And that's wrong... They said because? I, I assume it's because they believe that education has been going so well with others in charge. <laughs> what, what was their beef, though? I mean, what, so conservatives are in charge, and that manifested into what heinous problem? Uh, to be entirely honest with you, John, I can't track on that one very well because the person who spent all of his energy and time writing this article and then sending out a crew, et cetera, was someone who spends his time going around doing conservative hit pieces every chance he gets. So I think the agenda has more to do with politics than it did to, with education. What was he upset about? 
I think he was just simply upset that instead of there being sexualization as a primary focus in, in high school and uh, identity and gender identity politics uh, rife throughout the school, and that we adopted the American birthright standard for social studies and history, I think he was uh, upset that perhaps there was a school district that was actually going to focus back on education and well-rounded understanding of public education in its right frame, which is the intent of creating an informed citizenry capable of self-governing. All right, when you say things like American birthright, which is a curriculum. I've got it's that. a standard. It's a standard. Yes. Well, that sounds awful scary. American birthright. Um, that's obviously got to be some sort of racist crap. So tell me what this American birthright is. <laughs> I think that's the perspective they took, probably. Right. Uh, so American birthright is a standard for social studies. Uh, it, it outlines what should be taught in each year, what should be covered to make certain that you get a full complete and thorough uh, outline. Of and this American was developed history. by the Klan? Is that uh, who it, was put it, together? it was developed by the Civics Alliance. And it's not some random thing. Uh, last year when the State Board of the Colorado State Board of Education debated new revisions to the social studies standards, three of the seven proposed the American birthright standard and four of the seven wanted to insert a whole lot of uh, identity politics into the social studies and history curriculum. Uh, the American Birthright Standard has been reviewed by many people. It's, uh, it's solid. It shouldn't stand alone, to be quite frank with you. It should be a supplement to a, f a full education. It's not just about American history. Um, but that's what it is. It right, makes sure that we get that a back good education. Let me see if I'm following you. So the State Board of Education, which puts together um, History curriculum. Right. Um, standards. Standards. Yep. So they're split as evenly as you can with a seven member board. And seven of the, or four of them put together what I will put together, I'll say is an identity politics driven, highly sexualized um, uh, program. And the other little less than half said, no, let's, let's teach American history. And so you've got two different standards that school districts can choose from you chose this standard. We did. So it's, it's, not, it's not like a standard that, that comes out of the deep south Alabama Klansmen <laughs> that put it together. No, this is, this is a Colorado Department of Education standard, correct? It's, so to be fair, it was not the one that was voted, right? They only right. picked one, and they picked the other one. Uh, but it was vetted, again, by a, a austere members of our State Board of Education and, and put forward, and quite frankly... Uh, while it is still incumbent on any school district, including Woodland Park, to meet or exceed Colorado state academic standards, which mm -hmm. we absolutely will do, we adopted the American Birthright Standard to make certain that we have a fuller and more accurate and more conscientious education of our student population on what it means to be an American citizen, what the founding principles of this nation are, and how one can be a functioning citizen. Give me some contrast nation. between the two standards. Just to give me one thing that would have been taught by the other standard that you're not teaching compared to the American birthright standard. Well, I'll, I'll be careful there. There's nothing that we're not going to teach in the Colorado Fair academic enough. standards. Fair okay? enough. Uh, we will meet or exceed those standards, but we will not necessarily focus on uh, 
individual identity groups in history, but we will instead focus on founding principles and the principles of government. I remember this because I remember Mrs. Ronaldo. I still have the, the, the whack marks on my, on my, you know, <laughs> talking about the three branches of government, uh, how the Constitution was, was uh, made, how the Declaration of Independence was made, how the system worked, how uh, the branches of government, the checks and balances, all that stuff. Is that what you're teaching? Absolutely. And as it turns out, it matters that, we, that our students understand that because without it, our government falls to pieces. Presidents start thinking they can write laws with a pen. I mean, I understood in, in grade school how, how what a pocket veto is versus a pocket pass, overriding a veto, those, those type of the mechanics of the federal government, how it came to be. Are we talking about that kind of stuff? That kind of stuff, and I'm so glad you paid attention in your grade school years, That's John. why I'm doing what I do today, right. because God bless Mrs. Ronaldo who, who taught me this stuff. I didn't learn about this group versus that group. I learned about Martin Luther King. I learned about why it's important that we be judged by the content of our character, not by the color of our skin. And I did not learn that uh, you are your skin color. Very good. Is that what we're talking about? That is what we're talking about. Talk about the measurements. What at Woodland Park are you focusing on? I mean, I want kids to read. And if kids want to grow up and become a social justice warrior, good for them. I want them to be able to read about it, not just be indoctrinated with it. Yeah, that's a, that's a key point. Uh, we, of course, follow the, the, the standard assessments that the state requires. And uh, we're talking about trending those very carefully to see if, in fact, a focus on academics is yielding fruit. Uh, I've only been in the job for six months now, but next year we'll be watching carefully as we begin to accumulate data and begin to follow those trends. Uh, we've had some good trends over the last couple of years. Uh, SAT scores are well up in the high school, and I credit the high school and the staff with doing a great job there. Uh, I believe that we will see similar growth in our other academic areas as we begin to measure those and begin to get trends. As you know, John, we have come over, come out of a period where grades have dropped quite a bit, so there should be a lot of opportunity for growth. How do you teach differently then? Now, because the American Birthright Standard, that talks about, about American history. Arithmetic doesn't give a damn about <laughs> identity politics. Science doesn't care what you think your genitals should be. It just doesn't care. Reading and spelling really doesn't care about your thoughts on systemic racism. These, these things just don't care about social justice. They're building blocks, and if you do all those well, you might come to conclusions later on in life about those subjects, but you've got to get those down. How do you teach those things? That's a great question. I have to confess that nobody has the right answer. Everybody has an opinion, and there's a lot of research that continues to build on how to properly teach those subjects. There's a lot of debate around it as well, but I'll tell you what, what I know does work. Number one, setting high expectations. Uh, I recently heard a delightful story about a coach's 
uh, convention where uh, a famed coach uh, came up and was wearing a plate, a home plate. And he did his little speech and everyone appreciated him because he was well known. And uh, he didn't mention the plate at all until he gets to the home plate, home base, plate around his plate. neck. With the, 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 thing. the diamondish looking thing. Right. Exactly, the diamond. And uh, to, when he gets to the end of his speech, he says, oh, and you're probably wondering about this. Uh, does anyone know how wide home plate is in Little League? And he waits for a coach to say, you know, somewhat timidly, at 17 inches? More of a question than an answer. And he says, that's right. Does anyone know how wide the home plate is in Bear League? Someone says, oh, 17 inches. That's right. Does anybody know how wide the home plate is in high school baseball? 17 inches. That's right. Anyone know how wide home plate is in professional baseball? 17 inches. Whole room saying it now. He said, that's right. As it turns out, we hold people to a standard and expect them to achieve it. And if they don't, we might send them back down to the minor leagues. But you know what? It's still going to be 17 inches. People excel when they're held to an expectation and we drive them toward meeting that quality standard, not changing the standard. There aren't any 19-inch home plates. There aren't any 21-inch home plates. There isn't this group who should have a wider home plate. We all play to the same standard and we excel in the game. That's the important issue in education, maintaining an academic standard setting high expectations, and then teaching effectively and holding our students accountable to the expectations that we set. Not everyone can achieve at exactly the same level, but the expectations have to be high because students reach for the expectations that are set. And if they're low, that's their reach. Going into this job, obviously the school board knew about your philosophy, understood that the time that would be wasted on, I'll say indoctrination, on identity politics, that is valuable time that could be spent on learning these standards, these basics, on working on academic standards, learning about those basics, those, those standards. Was it a board fight to get you there? Is the board on board with this? Because in most school districts, the school union chooses the school board. The school board supports the superintendent, and it's this wonderful circle of love that just keeps going. So there must be something, what's different about the community there that would be open to this? There is something different. Number one, it is a community that is looking for change in education that elected a board that ran on saying, you know what, we're gonna return to a focus on education, not on politicization of education. We're gonna return to a focus on bringing our students a quality education and not on any of the other uh, agendas that show up so much in public education. Uh, there was a charter school that was just founded in that community that's doing very well. In fact, it's the one growing school in the community. Uh, the other schools are holding steady or are losing some students to it. But uh, that charter school has been something that the community desperately wanted supported, and the board talked about that and making certain that school choice mattered in the community, that they would have great choices. I was saying, this small 
school district has a charter? That's true. That doesn't sound right. It's unusual, and in fact... And the, let, let me lay it out for those people who might not get it. School boards usually don't like charter schools. They feel that it's a drain on their resources, which it isn't, and they feel it to be unnecessary competition, which it isn't, and they're very hesitant to authorize a charter school that could draw away their, their students, as if their students are somehow captives and they, they don't want to lose them. So this school district that only has 2,600 kids, 2,700 kids, that same board authorized a charter school? You know, Boulder Valley wouldn't authorize a charter school for uh, Ascent Academy, even though the demand was just over, oh, just uh, insane. They had like double capacity on a waiting list and they still wouldn't do it. This little school district board said yes to a charter? I can't say enough good things about the board of Woodland Park School District. Well, of course, no. they hired you. You have That's to say right. that. That's right. I have to say that. But you know what? I don't actually have to say that if you know me very well. They have done an outstanding job of championing school choice, championing academic focus. They were elected to make change happen, and they're focused on making change happen. And that's why they hired me. To be completely frank, uh, it hasn't been without resistance and, and you know, some, some public notice, uh, particularly outside of the, the community. Uh, there's been plenty of resistance brought uh, by the local union, the uh, Educators Association. Uh, but the truth is that the community wants educational progress. The board is focused on educational excellence. They're friendly to choice. They're friendly to make, making certain that the right choices exist. And humorously enough, you ask about uh, how a small mountain community authorized a charter school. The preceding board did not authorize that charter school. A little BOCES that you'll talk about later actually opened that, charter, that school in Woodland Park. And then when the board changed and they saw what a great school it is, then they said, hey, can we have this school? This is great. And uh, we said, absolutely. Talk to me about the union. So. Is this a unionized school district? So, yes, there is an educators association in Woodland Park. Uh, it doesn't represent a significant percentage of teachers. but uh, Is it, it part of exists. the state CEA? Is it a, an affiliate? It, it is an affiliate of the CEA. And uh, as you know, John, the CEA has done some absolutely deplorable things recently, including passing a resolution stating that capitalism is a, a destroyer of public education that it does damage to families, that it does damage to public education and schools. Let me stop you there because people might think you're joking. The CEA did pass a resolution that said capitalism is destructive to education. That's right. The Colorado Education Association, or Educators Association, passed a resolution saying that capitalism is anathema to public education. Good to know. Unbelievable. These are, this is the representative of the people that teach your children. And, they're say, and they go on to basically uh, quote the, the Marxist viewpoint of what would be good. Equal outcomes for everyone, making certain that everyone has exactly the same resources and available opportunities. Marxists are teaching our kids. Well, hopefully not all of them are a member of the CEA, but we would certainly but, like to see none of them a member of the CEA. And enough that voted 
voting members of the party passed the resolution. The party, voting <laughs> members of of the Communist Party, the CEA, have denounced capitalism. That's right. That's exactly right. So now that the CEA has publicly declared that they hate America, we have very little time for them. It's interesting after they pass that resolution, a handful of something EAs, education associations in yeah. various school districts, tried to come out with statements saying, you know, we have nothing to do with that. Trying to distance I am not themselves with that from person. It. Exactly. Right. But then you look at the $70 a month that they take from each teacher and pass 50 onto the CEA. If you're funding it, you're a part of it. Yeah, it's amazing. Talk, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I just want to put out one other point about the CEA. They also uh, released their reading list, their recommended reading list recently, which includes illustrated sexual activities in their... Really? Can you give me a copy? I'm a very lonely <laughs> man. In their, in their recommended reading for high school students. And this is, this is not good stuff. Uh, again, they just continue to declare that they're not interested in educating students they're interested in the education. It makes the it sound. It makes it sound like you're a prude. All right, that you don't want to help people who are who have different sexualities or struggling with their sexuality or or something else. Is that is so? Is Woodland Park is obviously just a hateful place. Nothing could be further from the truth. But thank you for the uh, for the lead in. No, Woodland Park is ensuring that every school has a counselor that. Students are connected with the supports that they need, but we're making certain that we're also focusing on the academic success of our students. You said something earlier that bears a little emphasis. People talk about all the resources that are missing in education. We're short money. We don't have enough money to pay teachers. We don't have enough teachers. We don't have enough special education. We don't have enough supplies. It, the list goes on and on. People almost never remember that one of these, the most precious resources in education is the time of the student to learn. You only get so many hours with students. You can squander them with things that have nothing to do with education, or you can educate them. We choose to educate. So beautifully said, because you only have one shot. You only have so much time, and the time you spend indoctrinating them in politics is time you cannot spend teaching them to read. I, I wanna talk about this, this BOCES thing. And you're involved in this as well, because you're an international man of mystery, that the charter school in your district was authorized not by the school district, but by a BOCES. What is a BOCES? BOCES stands for Board of Cooperative Education Services. It is a government entity for education, just like a school district is. But a BOCES in Colorado is made up of member school districts, who join and form a BOCES. It's intended more often than not to share resources among those districts for like special education. Let's say there are five rural school districts that can't afford a master's degree special education teacher, no one of whom can afford it. So they come together, they form a BOCES, the BOCES hires a couple of special education resources and shares them among the school districts. So big school districts really don't deal with BOCES, smaller districts, hey, we need a special ed teacher for this, or we need a program for that. Let's all share the costs and we'll, we'll do something. That's right, that's the 90% model in Colorado. Okay. The education re-envisioned VOCES is not that model. And this is you. This, this is Explain the organization it. I run. So we are focused on creating a broad path for school choice in Colorado. 
It's a very a school simple choice mission. for broads. Ha! <laughs> we are a welcoming host to exceptional, innovative educational programs and schools. What does that mean? So we welcome new school ideas, new education ideas. We give them a chance to get open and, and, and founded, if you will, in a location. If they have a parent community that really wants them, they have a great uh, founding team. Uh, so it's a good offering that we will do what we can to, to help that school get open, and we often do. We do both schools. We have a significant number of statewide online schools as well, and we also open homeschool enrichment programs all over the state where parent communities come together and say, we don't want our kids in the public neighborhood school, but we need some education support as we take ownership of our students' education. So that's me to that. Education. The, the charter school in, in Woodland Park, was that? That, it, that was a school that we opened initially. That's okay, correct. I didn't know that. So, so the Woodland Park School Board, before they hired you, would not open up this, this charter school. That's the right. People really wanted it, so they, they came to the BOCES, and the BOCES said, well, if you guys really need it, we'll help you with it. That's right. And they authorized it. That's correct. All right. So it, it, it got open under the BOCES. Does this happen often? Uh, no. As far as I know, we're the only BOCES doing much of that. Really? Uh. All right. So much so that when the new board came, they said, people really like the school. We'll take it over. And this is a great board. They supported that school, gave them the, uh, some shared facility that allowed them to, to really uh, flourish and uh, supported what parents wanted. Uh, oddly enough, a school board focusing on what parents want in the community. Although that happens a lot when, when a school, a charter school is authorized by a different authority. Sometimes a school board says, we're not authorizing it. And then another authority does it. Maybe it's the Department of Education. Maybe it's the School Board Institute or the Charter School Charter Institute School. or something like that. And then over time, the, the school district, it gets so beloved. It's part of the district. It, you know, the authorization switches. That's not very... We're all for that. Yeah. We're all for it. As long as that district will take care of that school, we're happy to, to transition as we did there, as the BOCES did to the... So has, has this BOCES done this in other districts? Yes. Give me an example. Uh, the Pueblo uh, School of, I'm sorry, the Pueblo Classical Academy was opened two years ago. Uh, the BOCES was the one that opened the school. And then the it's in Pueblo School County, District, I'm assuming. It is. Is it in the Pueblo City? Uh, D70, I believe. Okay. Uh, so which would be the, the Pueblo City. Uh, no, the Outer Ring. I'm sorry, the Outer Ring around Pueblo. My apologies. Um, I, to, to be honest, I don't recall whether it's D60 or D70, because okay. I don't concern myself with the district as much. But yes, Pueblo County, in the Pueblo City area, uh, the school district came to us and said, oh, this is a great so school. So there's another way for parents to open up a charter school if their school district won't let them. Uh, give me a call. Give you a call. That's amazing. Uh, we've had to uh, focus on you know, making certain that we encourage these schools to work with the school district first, right? That would be great. Right. Uh, but if they can't work it out, then we can often find a way. Don't, aren't they supposed to go to the state next or the charter school institute There are next? only two chartering entities in the state of Colorado. The school districts and the charter school institute. School districts are inherently given exclusive authority to charter. 
meaning they can say yes or no within their boundaries. Sometimes that exclusive charting authority is yielded. Either the district can voluntarily yield it, and then the charter school institute can instead authorize within that school district, or occasionally because the district has been a bad actor in their process of authorizing right. or refusing to authorize charter schools, the State Board of Education may take the exclusive authority away from them. And then the Charter School Institute will often step in and, and authorize charters. BOCES cannot charter. I thought you just said? We created a school. It was just a public school. You create, what's the difference? Help me understand. So uh, when, you, when you created a charter school, how is that different than authorizing a charter school? Well, when a school district opens a new school in Red Oaks, okay, just the name of a neighborhood, it's not a charter school if they just open a school, right? Right. They're an authorizing entity. They open a school. That's a public school. It's and the just school a district. public school. Right. And the district runs it, or the district could contract someone to operate it. Okay. The BOCES just opens a school. So the charter school in Woodland Park wasn't a charter when we opened it. it was, you just opened it. We opened a public school. And then Woodland Park, when they said we'd like this school, chartered it. Then how, for the first couple of years, was it a charter school? No. But did the parents who wanted the charter school, were they heavily involved in it? Oh, yes. So It, it looks like a charter. It sounds like a charter, but it's not a charter because the word doesn't apply. That's all. But did it, it act a like a charter? Yes. Did it, it have had a, a governing board? It, it had heavy parental involvement. Uh, the did it have a charter? Well, no. It had a contract. It had a con So it was a contract school, not a charter school. That's, that's the word we use. It was a contract school. Amazing. And if I looked at the contract and I looked at a charter, would they look exactly the same except for the word? Well, let's just say they look highly similar. Fascinating. Incredible. And then it turned into a real charter school. And then the school district wanted it, and they can charter, so they chartered it. Which is good, because that gives the, the school opportunity for some charter school funding, startup funding, that the feds make available. So, there's a financial benefit to them, and we were all for it. And so, in the other areas where you have, the BOCES has created a contract school, as other school districts turn them into a charter school or absorb? Yes. Really? Yes. Oh, that is amazing. So uh, we, we mean it when we say a broad path for school choice in Colorado. We find ways to get programs open and schools open that parents and communities really want. How many kids have been helped with well, uh, through the BOCES? Acro across all of the spectrum of the BOCES, we have right at 6,000 students. Holy moly. Pretty sizable. Uh, the Colorado Department of Education treats us a lot like a school district because there's no other way to do it. And in your particular BOCES? 6,000. 6,000. Wow. Wow. All right. So what's the biggest hang-up? Why? How? From 6,000 to getting to 60,000, what, what would the hang-up be? It's a great question. Uh, we, we haven't really been constrained by growth too much, uh, other than capacity, right? You know, we don't try to create schools. It's really important to understand that we're not sitting around saying, oh, I wish this school were here, and I wish this school were there. 
No, is we that listen parent to parents, parents come to you and say to community we need help. founding groups with parents that really want a school or a homeschool enrichment program or an online school of a new ilk. And there's a significant community that wants it. And then we say, do parents Let's even do know it. you exist? Uh, Not you personally, but the ev- BOCES? Evidence that- would seem to imply that they're, they're becoming more and more aware. Yes. That's wild. Getting back to Woodland Park, are there other school districts that are looking at Woodland Park going, wait a second, they're doing the uh, American birthright standard, they're, they're doing this, and they're still alive. Now, mind you, they're just starting it, but we're going to keep an eye on this, and we might want to do the same thing. Are you getting interest in other parts of the state? Absolutely. I've had a number of uh, members across the state of school boards reach out and say, hey, how can we do something similar? How can we push a focus back on education and not on the other things? How can we protect parental rights? And I have to tell you, John, one of the key issues going on in education right now, one of the greatest threats is defending parental rights in their children's education. Colorado passed a law this last uh, session that said that children can get mental health services and be screened for mental health services, which is great. But they also said, if a child is 12 years old and doesn't want their parents to know, we'll keep it a secret. Parents aren't too thrilled about that, as well as they should not be. Parents should be at the forefront of their children's education. Now, there are exceptions when there's a parental threat or something, of course. But we're talking about just making certain that parents are making the decisions, are involved in the decisions around the education and the health of their own children. Dirty little secrets don't belong in the state. School districts should not be putting themselves between parents and their children. But you got to follow the law now. But you have, Good that, news is it's opt-in. So we passed a resolution making it clear that we would not put ourselves between parents and their children. And we would not be opting in prior to the passage of the law just to make certain that we had established that this is not going to happen where we are. I got so many calls on that resolution that there were a handful of school districts that passed something similar. Interesting. The other districts that are looking at this, they've got to, if they want to do it, they got to find more people like you. You can't, you can't take a superintendent who is steeped in the identity politics, union-run way of doing things, and go, that's great, let's, let's do what they're doing over there. And he goes, okay, let's just do it. There has to be a way to incubate more people who are willing to, to teach and challenge this and go back to basics. I'm using my old term. Where do you find them? Where do you find the teachers who are, who are willing to join you in this? If, if there are teachers who like to do the indoctrination, they're not going to feel great about staying in Woodland Park. But there are teachers nearby who would love to teach in this. How do you find more people? How do you find the right administrators? It is, like everything else, a talent issue. Finding the talent is going to be the problem. Where do you find them? It's true. There's a lot of work involved here. Um, It is absolutely the case that there are those who would resist this kind of a focus. And it's important to have a leader that makes it clear that resistance is not going to work. This is where we're going. You can choose to be a part of it or not. The nice thing about being clear on what the vision and direction is, 
the people that are aligned with it, people that believe that education needs to focus back on teaching kids and not indoctrinating them, are looking for a place to work, are tired of the environments that they're in. And so those people reach out and say, I'd like to be a part of this. Now, is it immediate? No. It takes a little bit of time. But we have an incredible administrative staff at Woodland Park now. Everyone is focused on where we're going, enthusiastic about it, and making good decisions for students and for families, for parents and their rights as parents to oversee their children's education. Uh, we brought in a great principal who unfortunately had a school where there was a good deal of departure. Uh, not all of our schools have had significant departure. In fact, uh, of the, th well, we have four elementary schools and three of those four had no significant turnover. One had substantial turnover. We had no trouble bringing in a good principal that was focused on where we want to go. She had no trouble filling those roles. So is there a teacher shortage in your district? There is always a teacher shortage, and we certainly have a few open slots still. However, not an outrageous number. Uh, there, was a, there was a myth floating around that we had 40% of all teachers gone, not even close. We have a few open teacher positions. We're continuing to, to fill them and uh, not having too much trouble doing so. We, like everyone, experience the SPED shortage. It's hard to find special education staff, and so we are working very hard to fill those roles, but it is not easy. Uh, we are, we're experiencing the same problem that everyone is. Uh, but quite frankly, the teacher shortage is modest. Uh, the, te the teacher open roles are modest in our district, and we so, continue to fill them. Let's wrap it up with this. There are lots of folks watching. They don't live anywhere close to Woodland Park. They're not in a district where maybe, maybe they can get help with the BOCES. I don't know. They should contact you, would be the guess. Where do they contact you, by the way? Well, uh, it depends on what they want to talk to me about, but the easiest way to reach me is uh, universally is kwit at auburn.com. At what.com? A-A-B-R-E-N.com. All right. Kwit. Two Ts? Two Ts. All right. But what's the takeaway for them? You know, they're stuck in a larger suburban school district, and they go, wait a second. There's a place that won't indoctrinate our kids. There's a place that does this. I want that here. It's not going to happen there. Well, th there are a couple of takeaways, John, that I think are really important. Number one, it takes steel. It takes a willingness to drive through the turmoil. You have out on your front porch of this particular establishment one of the best quotes that I've seen from Thomas Jefferson. That was the, the one I chose uh, for that statue. One of my favorite, favorite well, quotes. Well done. You can have, the bottom line is, you can have peace and tranquility or you can make change happen. You, don't, you rarely get both. And you have to want to push through the turmoil if you genuinely you want change tell them to quote. occur. I can't quote it. I'm I sorry. believe you it goes something go like... Timid men prefer the calm seas of despotism there you go. to, I forget, I forget the rest of that, uh, to the rough seas of freedom, something, like, freedom. That. Exactly. something like that. So, but the bottom line is, there will be some turmoil when you make big change happen. You have to be willing to take it. You have to be willing to push through, take the mudslinging. But you I need a leader that has enough resolve to push all the way through. And quite frankly, communities lose resolve. They say, oh, the union starts stoking up in from, uh, turmoil, saying that something's got to be wrong because there's this big change and some people are leaving, et cetera. 
And then the community begins to think, oh, we made a mistake. Well, if you wanted the destination, the endpoint, if you wanted change to happen in your school district, then stay with it long enough, keep a board in place long enough to let it happen, and make sure you elect a board that has the steel to hire someone to make change happen. At the same point, though, you only have so much time with your kid. That's right. So I guess you have to move to Woodland Park. <laughs> All right. What is it? Timid men prefer the calm of despotism to the temp tempestuous seas of liberty. There you go. Right. That's yeah, it. Yeah, Thank you. It. I love that quote. I wrote it myself. <laughs> yes, Thomas would be ashamed. He would be. Well, he, he stole everything. Yeah. Ken, thank you so much. Thanks for what you're doing. I think about your time at the um, Jefferson County School District when you were under so much pressure and you never cracked. And I think about all those charter schools that are there now and how many thousands of kids have been saved and gone through all these charter schools that you got started there. Um, and how many lives have been changed because of that and the, the heat you stood under during those years. And most men would have cracked. So thank you for standing up to all that. Thank you, John. We're not finished yet. I know you're not. All right, give that address one more time. People. K-W-I-T-T -T at A-A-B-R-E-N dot com. Thanks for what you do. Thank you, John. If you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend. And I hope you'll subscribe and follow the show. We have new ones released weekly. Remember, this audio was taken from our TV show. To watch it, just search the letters IITV for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations.